PackSafe's Legal Department of the Future podcast. I'm PackSafe founder and CEO Brian Powers. As an attorney who's ventured into the tech world, I'm always looking for ways to fuse the legal and tech spaces together. In this podcast, I sat down with Tony Miller, a corporate attorney who's recently moved from a long career as an in-house attorney in the fast-paced world of SaaS to the world of entrepreneurship by launching his own firm and leveraging his success in implementing technology into in-house legal departments. Tune in as I chat with Tony on how his unique background as a sales rep with the law degree helped launch his success as an in-house tech attorney and what strategies and experience he used to fuse the sales and legal departments together. I begin by asking Tony about his background and what makes him passionate about what he does. Well, thanks, Brian, for uh, for having me on like this. This is uh, pre- pretty exciting to sort of talk about. I, um, you know, I, I, I come from a different angle when it comes to um, being an in-house lawyer. I originally started in, um, in the Valley here uh, back in 1999 in a, in a sales role, although I was a licensed attorney. Um, and I, I was, I, I really in law school, I'd fallen in love with the idea of what, what this internet was going to be. And I found myself wanting to be a part of it and uh, came up, came into the, in, into the Valley here um, and, and started out in sales and, um, and then migrated into um, an in-house legal role. And I think the thing that I'm most passionate about is and the difference for me between just a sales role and a, and a legal role is I like solving problems. Um, and I find that uh, particularly in, in the technology companies, the, the legal team, the good ones, the effective ones are um, problem solvers. And um, whether that's enabling the business to, to move or um, enabling processes and improvements and those kinds of things. So that's, that's what I would say I'm passionate about. Can you give us a little bit of a uh, little more of the story, how you bumped around and, and uh, where you've been? Yeah. So I, um, I, uh, I come out of law school and uh, I was I'd done a bankruptcy clerkship and uh, was going to go into um, a small practice doing business litigation, state planning, and then I was going to add bankruptcy. And uh, I just wasn't passionate about it. And um, it's funny, we had, we had used computer labs in law school. And, um, you know, this was the early, so this was like in 1996. So the, there wasn't a lot on the internet, but the fact that you could get access to, to what information that was there so quickly, I just sort of felt that that was the future. And um, the idea of um, practicing law and um, doing clients and the, and, and the, the traditional sort of um, small practice work I didn't want to do. I, I didn't have uh, the corporate background or at that time commercial background. Um, but, you know, I'm, I had had a sales background. And so I, I took a chance and, uh, and, and came up and interviewed and, and got a job at a, at a tech company called Verisign. And I started out um, in, the, in a sales role there. Um, but, you know, having a background as an attorney, I, I, I could write good proposals um, and descriptions and, and, and things that were useful for a sales team. And it was a matter of time before um, they really wanted to, to, to have an in-house resource. And um, I obviously was a good fit. And so 
um, after a couple of years of that, I, I came into the, uh, the legal department there. And um, I was one of the few attorneys that, you know, at the time we, we had a complicated public key infrastructure was the product. And, and I was one of the few attorneys that actually understood it because I had sold it. And, um, and so I was able to hit the ground running. And unlike most people, I think that, that come into an in-house role, I, I, my, uh, my experience um, was ahead of me. It wasn't behind me. And I, I had to learn everything um, literally um, by doing it. And, um, and I, I took on every deal I could. I supported every business unit I could. I just, I was a sponge um, just trying to, to, to learn and, and, and become a better, um, become a better resource. And then from there, uh, I had done a, a complicated deal with another company. And um, after that deal had closed, that company called me and said, uh, you know, you did such a great job. We need a, we don't have a lawyer in house and we'd really like you to come and be our dedicated attorney. And I, I did that. And, um, and I just kind of went on from there. Um, that was a, a SaaS based security company called Qualys. And uh, I was there and um, led the, led the legal function. Uh, we brought in a general counsel when we went IPO um, was very successful with that. Um, wore a lot of hats. And, um, and then recently I, um, I joined another company um, to really run their commercial um, teams, uh, managing a group of, you know, eight lawyers and contract managers, which was a pretty big group for a company of uh, pre IPO that had the revenue that we did. Um, and it was a great opportunity to give me some uh, management experience um, you know, managing a larger team and then being a part of a company with a larger budget and those kinds of things. And then uh, I recently left and um, I formed uh, with an old colleague of mine, a, a new partnership. Um, and um, we are providing general counsel and commercial and um, compliance services to, um, you know, startups and even, you know, well-established companies that um, have a need for um, seasoned transactions lawyers. That's quite the career arc. Uh, I, I don't know that I've talked to or know many attorneys that started out in sales. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, how, how do you think, how do you think that background um, kind of framed your approach to, you know, being in house, especially in that first gig, uh, you know, where you started out in sales and then transitioned in house, did it, do you, do you think that sales background gave you some operational knowledge that, that was helpful? Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely do. And you know, it's always been a source of frustration for me that the, the relationships between the sales organizations often and the, the legal organizations or the in-house legal, um, you know, have more tension than I, I think are necessary. Um, and obviously there's, there's, there's a lot of pressure to get things done, um, timeframes and, um, you know, people making, you know, risky or bad decisions. Um, but, you know, I think having a sales background for me, um, I understood exactly the pressures that those folks were under, um, when they were making their demands. Um, 
And I could, I always sort of thought I could sort of bring that understanding to, to bear with respect to the, you know, when they became my clients and then I would, would be serving them. Um, and then the other thing too is, is I, I think, and this is something that I think the, the good in-house lawyers, especially on the transactional side have to do is, you know, you, you also have to sell. Um, you, you, you know, you should be enthusiastic about the, you know, the product that you're supporting and be able to, uh, you know, help facilitate, um, you know, getting the customer to make a decision about why the particular product or service you, you, you have is, is going to make them more successful. And I always think I brought that to, um, brought that to the transactions I was doing, certainly. And then just, you know, having a good business sense, making smart business decisions, um, understanding where risk plays a role, but where business also does and trying to, you know, straddle that line. Um, I think that's, I would say that's probably the, the, the good context for, you know, my approach to this. One thing I do recommend too, is that, um, you know, it's, it's good for attorneys. I've, I've, drafted them, I've edited them and, and whatnot, is, is understanding the comp plans and um, knowing how the, you know, what the triggers are for the, the sales teams, if, if you're able to do this, um, how they get paid. And, and, and you should be able to understand what's driving their behavior. And once you have a better understanding, um, you know, it, it can only enhance your ability to support your clients. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, do you, do you have any good examples or stories about how that's helped? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would just sort of say it in general terms, which is that if you understand, you know, whether in the comp plan, um, you know, I mean, one of the big, one of the big challenges is that oftentimes in companies, if the, depending on how the comp plans are structured, um, the, the, there aren't the, the necessary incentives, for instance, for the sales teams to bring in business earlier in the quarter rather than later. Or they're structured in such a way that even if they're discounted at the end of a quarter, let's say, um, the incentive isn't, there's no disincentive, if you will, on the sales rep to, uh, to bring it in and, and heavily discount, let's say. Um, and then obviously that translates into tremendous pressure on your legal resources when, you know, if in a, if in a given quarter, if 80 plus percent of the business is closed in the last three weeks. Um, and I, I, and, and while I wasn't always able to, you know, to change it, at least I could understand it. If, if I looked in, if I re reviewed the comp plan and I understood that there weren't those incentives, or triggers to, to have business close, let's say earlier, um, and then, you know, hopefully try to make recommendations for that in the next, in the next session where, you know, maybe the comp plans are going to be updated. Um, but, you know, I think one of the challenges that the in-house resources have is being able to quantify um, the, you know, the pressures, the, the, the tasks that are placed in front of them. And again, if you can turn to data, and show that, you know, a significant percentage of your business is closing within those last few weeks, and it's resulting in, 
you know, steeper discounts and you're resource dependent um, or you're resource overloaded, then, you know, at least you have, I think, much more objective arguments for, um, you know, making improvements to that process. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Um, I'd be interested to know how, how many other uh, in-house lawyers take, have that perspective because I can see, um, I mean, we, we, we obviously at PacSafe and prior to that, when I was practicing law, dealt with um, lots of in-house lawyers. And, and I think the understanding the operational drivers behind why they are doing things, especially in the commercial side, is just so important. So that, that's a really interesting perspective. Switching gears a little bit, but related, let's, let's talk about technology. What's, what's your approach to you know, injecting technology into the legal departments that you've worked in you know, to, to both, I guess, I guess from two perspectives, one, to help you with your job, but, but two, through the lens of a lawyer, how can technology be used, you know, to help on the operational side, right? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I um, I was just thinking of a, let me give you a sort of a war story that kind of got me thinking this way. And it comes back to um, when I first was in-house, um, we at uh, Verisign, we had, at the time, we had, uh, we used to do all of our orders manually through Excel spreadsheets and e sending emails and um, Word documents and the like. And we continued to grow and it became a, a challenge at scale. And so the company uh, spent millions of dollars and we implemented an Oracle um, system. And then as an offshoot of that, they thought, well, it might be nice to have some, you know, what, what today, we didn't have a name for it then, as I recall, but um, some kind of life cycle management built into this Oracle system that we was going to be now our sort of back end. And we were sort of an afterthought, the legal team was. And I remember, you know, it, it, well, the, the, to summarize the story, the, the, the solution that was developed was so complicated that no one, none of us could use it. And we had had a paralegal in the department that supported all the lawyers and, and um, contract managers. And she actually quit. She actually retired um, when that system was set up and it, because a lot of the burden was going to be placed on her. Um, to do all these data entry points. And the gist of what happened was, is that the sales organization, the finance organization, the support organization, all these different groups wanted intelligence out of the various contracts. And because it was a, it was a homemade solution, it required um, somebody to hit every one of those data points and literally type the data in. And I just remember my takeaway from this was, all the time and money that we spent and none of us, none of us in the in-house role. And we had, we had lawyers from, you know, Amazon and Yahoo and in those early days. Um, but none of us had had any solutions to, to a help develop something that would have worked um, and that would have been useful for us or b alternatives to suggest 
um, at the time that they were contemplating, you know, putting something together. And I just sort of had it on the back of my mind that at some point, you know, we can't just be focused on our Word documents and our emails and the simple things, red lines and things that we do. Um, there's other, there are things out there that we also need to learn and explore. And that sort of got me thinking, um, trying to think much more operationally um, in the subsequent years. And again, we, there wasn't always, you know, budget to do those things, but it, I always had it in my mind, just what, what can I do to improve the, the things that we're doing if we're going to scale? So, so tell me more about that. So that, so you developed that mindset. Um, do you have any good stories or examples about how, how you applied that moving forward in a successful way with technology? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, if, if, you know, you're not going to blush too much, I, I can tell you in, in, in my last company, um, how, how, you know, PackSafe um, actually was a, was a good, was a good solution for us. Happy to listen to that story. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so, so one of the challenges that had always been um, was that, you know, as we were growing, uh, as we were getting to scale, um, the business teams, say whether it be sales or, 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 or reseller organizations would say, Hey, you know, we, we really want to, we, we really want a click through agreement. We need a click through agreement because, you know, we want to do volume or we have these um, evaluation initiatives or early downloads for marketing purposes. And um, we really need you to, to, to draft a click through agreement for us. And I would say happy to draft a click through agreement. Um, I could, you know, knock that out in a, in a couple of hours. That's not a problem. The, the challenge that, you have is, is that it's you need there's a lot of other pieces that go into this puzzle in order to make the click-through agreement um, make sense and that includes you know talking to the web team and developing um, the web pages around it getting the content um, it talks about the finance organization for how they're going to take revenue how they're going to book orders how uh, how things will get fulfilled um, it talks about the support organization, the support organization, whatever the triggers are going to be for them um, to fulfill whatever it is that they need to fulfill. And in some cases, um, it might be our operations team where, where you know, we're, we're, we're as a result of somebody clicking and accepting terms uh, and becoming a customer, um, you know, is that going to initiate um, product shipment? Um, and so I'm happy to, to, I can do my part of it, but unless um, you can drive the other pieces and that we can have a, a, a coherent, um, robust and scalable system, um, we're not, it's not going to go anywhere. And that often was the case. And, um, uh, you know, I, I ran into the same problem at, at my last company and uh, fortunately, um, I'd come across uh, PackSafe and, you know, you know, I sort of said to myself, this was the product I wish I had built um, if I had been a, a coder and an entrepreneur because it solved a lot of those problems. Um, and the legal team, myself, got to be the heroes because, you know, I was able to, 
I was able to take those objections that I had raised in the past about all this infrastructure and all these challenges and say, I can bring this to you. It can come out of our budget and we can, we can basically, um, you know, add a lot of efficiency and get a lot of these agreements or some of these low hanging fruit, if you will, out of the, out of the review of the customer's legal teams or our legal teams. Um, and so that was a real, that was a real win. And, and it was just a matter of, you know, showing them that it could be done and that they weren't going to have to drive this into endless meetings in a, in a big project management um, fiasco that wasn't ever going to go anywhere. So I would say, you know, kudos to the PacSafe team on that. Well, thank you. Uh, we did, obviously, we didn't uh, invite you onto the podcast to tell a PacSafe story, but glad that, that, uh, that that's something you wanted to share. The, uh, yeah, well, and, and I think, I mean, not to cut you off, but I think the one thing that's going to, that the, the good, the useful or successful in-house resources have to do is, it's not enough to just buy technologies. There's a lot of technologies out there. It's understanding which is, is, you know, doing a landscape of what's out there and what's going to um, enhance your particular company's business and, uh, you know, it, help it achieve whatever goals it sets for itself. And again, that's, you know, whether it's getting more and more business out, out of the eyes of the, of the legal department, whether it's just simply scalability, whatever it might be. And, um, and, you know, and I think there's challenges for the legal team. If, if, if you're going to move, you know, aspects of your business to click through, um, I think you should, I think in, in my personal opinion, you, you should make sure that at least those terms with respect to that side of the business, I think uh, I always sort of say, you want to push them into the, push the needle more to the middle to make them, you know, more, more fair, more acceptable um, and less controversial so that you don't have, you know, bogged down with exceptions and, um, you know, and you're really making an effort to, to, to move that part of the business along. So I, I do think there's a, an important role um, for lawyers there. And, and, you know, one of the things that I did at my last company was I, I had attended a, uh, I think it was an, a, an ACC conference and they were talking about something called legal operations. And, you know, I was able to um, convince the general counsel that this was an area that we needed to go in. Um, I was able to hire headcount and find budget and then look for uh, technologies that would not only enhance our group's um, ability to, to support the business, but would also improve um, whether it be the sales organizations or the procurement teams or whomever. And, and I, I'm not alone in that. I think there's a whole, um, you know, there's a whole uh, universe of folks in the, in the legal operation side of things. But I think the, the, the lawyers themselves have to understand how those technologies um, can, can improve um, some of the things that they're doing. It's clear that you've had some success in um in getting the legal departments that you've been a part of to, you know, to adopt technology. I'm, I'm curious if you have any, any kind of advice or tips uh, for others on, you know, how you were able to do that because that's not always the case, right? Like legal, legal teams sometimes struggle to find 
budget or struggled to figure out how to build the business case around, you know, enabling themselves and the way they interact with the business, you know, with technology. And clearly that's something that you've navigated well. So if, if curious, if you have any, any advice on what was, what was the magical recipe for you there? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think, I think, the challenge has to be, you, you don't want technology for technology's sake. Um, and, you know, and, the, and it's certainly the case that if you're going to, you know, when you introduce a new process or a new technology, it, it may solve X, Y, Z problems, but it also creates challenges A, B, and C, right? Um, and so I think the key is, is, is really tr- not losing focus on um, or not being so myopic in your view, it's like, well, this will this will improve my team's efficiency by X, y, X percent, but it may have a negative impact on the sales organization or so or finance organization or some others. Um, and I think the challenge is is trying to understand, you know, what part of your processes that can be enhanced by technology, and then looking for those types of solutions. Um, I, I won't mention names, but I, I, another example that comes to mind is um, something, you know, we, we had to do, um, and it's a big thing to do GDPR compliance. And, you know, there's a couple different ways to do it. You can, you can do it manually. You can use spreadsheets. You can have meetings um, and you can try to track those things. Or there's a, a couple vendors out there that you can use technology. Well, the technology side of it doesn't help you with your understanding of the rules around GDPR or the California privacy rules. You, you still need to know those things, but where the technology can be useful is, is it can be a really useful resource or database or, or, or point of record, if you will, for um, how you're going to go about your compliance. And in, in that sense, that's an enhancement um, to, to the company um, and people's interaction with that tool can be an enhancement as opposed to, uh, well, we've replaced this challenge, but now we have these new ones. And, um, you know, m- my big thing too is, in, and this was true with, with respect to PackSafe and other solutions, was is I, you know, I took the time to bring in the, all the relevant groups that I thought would either, would either benefit from this um, or would support it because they could see the benefit of it. And I think that's, you know, that's all about building a consensus. Um, and I think sometimes companies become, and, you know, and it has to do with budgets and things, become so siloed. Um, and you really need to make your case um, and find other advocates um, within the business um, that would support your, you know, whatever it is that you want to do or whatever tool it is that you think you need um, to, you know, to make your job better and, and hopefully at the end of the day, contribute to the bottom line of the company. Right. right. Yeah. It, it, it's consensus building both inside of the legal departments and outside with the business is something that uh, we see a lot in our business. And, um, you know, we've heard from, from others like you. So that's great. Switching gears here a little bit, let's talk about uh, about what you're up to now. Your new law partnership venture. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, well, this is my first um, endeavor into sort of 
I guess, entrepreneurship in that um, I'm, I'm not working for anyone other than myself. But uh, uh, an old colleague of mine um, and I have, have formed a partnership. It's called the, the Summit Law Group. Uh, we're both um, into mountain biking and skiing and snowboarding. So we figured the summit, um, we like, we just, we like the connotation, the context. Um, but, um, but we're really trying to, 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 to sort of bring a different model to, um, you know, to support our in-house clients. And obviously we can do, um, you know, you know, early stage general counsel services, commercial compliance, you know, procurement and deals. But um, another part of it is, uh, is sort of a legal operation side. And um, we've, we've been putting together sort of based on our experience working in-house in the coordinating between um, whether it be the legal teams, the finance teams, the deal desk organizations, um, and, and sales operations and et cetera, uh, to build what we're calling a deal engine, which is, you know, sort of a process and playbook um, that, um, you know, our clients can follow and, and help them grow to scale. And then I think a big part of that will be um, technology solutions, um, you know, like PackSafe, where, um, you know, where, where we can recommend tools and solutions that we've either used or um, others have used that, you know, that may come highly recommended that can really close out or, or fill out um, you know, a change in process. And so, so that's kind of what we're excited about. And, you know, obviously we're, we're a law firm in that we do billable hours, but we're also trying subscription models and, and other things like that. So um, we, we want to stay a, a ahead of the curve, if you will, and really use our, our experience having solved a lot of challenges um, as in-house lawyers um, for multiple clients. No, I, I love that model. It's a, uh, it's a very entrepreneurial way to, to start a law practice. You know, I mean, lots of people practice law and there's lots of solo practitioners out there and there's lots of small firms, but I think the, um, the approach that you're taking is really, really interesting. And I think that, uh, I think you'll do well. Uh, so excited to, to see that to see that launch and grow. Anything else you'd like to add here? Or? No, I mean, I think, uh, I think we've covered a lot of things. I think, um, you know, I, I think, I think that, you know, it's interesting. I watched um, a 60 minutes episode a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about AI and AI taking over and pretty soon, you know, AI would be taking over, um, a lot of the entry level attorney roles and things. And, and while I do think there's probably some truth to that, I certainly hope that's not the case in that, you know, for young lawyers, you know, to take away document review, um, they would be missing such an important part of what makes you a, a good repository, if you will, for your clients, which is reviewing agreements and becoming so familiar with them that you know, you're, you can understand how to, how to structure a deal or how to structure out of a, of a challenge. And um, so I'll be curious to see if, if how the AI part of this works, but, you know, I know the technologies um, is certainly improving, um, but I hope it doesn't really replace lawyers. Almost everybody we talk to on this podcast brings that up in the exact same way. I think, I think all, 
all of us lawyers really don't want to be replaced by robots, right? But I think the reality is that uh, it just, it won't happen, but it, it may replace some of the things that we do that, um, you know, maybe we, we don't need to do. But I, I, I totally agree about younger lawyers, if they're not forced to dive into documents and and really kind of fine tune and perfect their craft. And like you said, become repositories for their, for their clients. That's, that's, that would be an unfortunate turn. Yeah. I think that, I think the, both the, the field would lose something that would be important. And, and at the end of the day, I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, you know, having been involved in some very challenging deals over the times, it was, you know, between myself and let's say the opposing attorney really coming up with some creative ways of, of whether it be phrasing or drafting um, to get the parties through a difficult situation. So I agree. I think, uh, I think the only people that think I could do that are the people that have started AI tech companies. <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah, like, probably yeah. true. And again, it'll be key for, for where AI does enhance um, what, what lawyers are doing. It'll be key for the lawyers or their operations resources to figure out, you know, how those enhancements can, can fit into whatever, whatever process they have. Well, Tony, this has been great. I think uh, you provided some really, really good insight. I think your background is fascinating and uh, has led you on a very unique path that I think uh, people enjoyed hearing about. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Brian, for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun.